How's everyone doing today? Uh, how about you all go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 9. So last week I apologized for teaching out of Matthew because Sam's going through Matthew on Thursdays. And then this week I decided to do it again. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So Matthew chapter 9, once you get there, you can hold your spot there. Um, and, uh, and we'll go ahead and pray. How does that sound? Is everyone there? Yeah? Yeah? Super? All right. Prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning that we, we get to share together, Lord, brothers and sisters, and we can be with our family. We can open up your word. Lord, we can draw close to you. We can sing songs that glorify you. Lord, we can learn from you. I pray this morning that you would teach us all. Lord, that each one of us would leave here with a gift from you. Something to treasure that's been imparted to us personally by you. Lord, that we would be more in love with you, clinging tightly to you, and seeing things as only you do. And Lord, for that, we do just praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 So um, last week, we considered what it is to uh, enter into koinonia with Christ, uh, this word that in our Bible is often translated as fellowship. And uh, we discuss what it looks like to have this kind of relationship with the Lord. Uh, koinonia, to share in all things, to share all things is common or communal. And after that message, Dave, who is not here, uh, but he was sitting right here last week, so I'm going I'm to gesture as if he's still there presently, because <laughs> uh, he's here in spirit. And uh, so Dave came up to me after the message, and he said, you know what you ought to call that message? And I never title my messages. I, I just, I'm, I'm no good at that. Uh, the Flores are here. Eric used to always title his messages. I always appreciated that. He had these brilliant little one-liners that he would attach to his sermons. I, I, got, I got nothing. I'm not that clever. Um, but Dave said, this is what you got to title it. You got to title it. It's, what did he say? He said, it's mine, it's yours, it's ours. And, and that's just, it's, it, it's brilliant. I, I could not have thought of that title in a million years, because that's what koinonia is all about. It's all about that which uh, belongs to Christ, yet is offered to us in fellowship as we share all things with them. So it's not just mine, it's yours. But it's not just yours, it's all of ours. We all get to share in what Christ uh, has, in, in, his, in his person, in his power, who he is, what he does. All of it, it's set before us, this open table, this bounty. He says, sit before me and share all this, all of it. You could partake in it. You're a welcome guest to share in it. And it's all, and it's glorious. It's wonderful to think of. And I love it. And, and he says, uh, it's mine. But now, now through koinonia, through fellowship, it's yours. And now through this relationship, it's all of ours. And, and so now the choice is set before us. And last week, we saw that choice uh, through, uh, through uh, Peter walking on the water. And there all the disciples are out on, 
uh, on the open sea in their small boat and, and the water's raging and it's, the boat is stirring and everyone is, you know, violently ill, just like those old ladies whale watching that I talked about last week. If you want to know more about that, get the message. It's already online, I think. And I think Gil even titled it, it's, it's mine, it's yours, it's ours. Wonderful, Dave. God bless you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And, uh, and, and uh, the choice is ours to step out of the boat and to walk upon the water and to participate in the miracle, to share with Christ and what he's doing. Or it's to sit back in the boat and observe all that Christ is doing, but never be a participant in it, to look upon all that we have in the boat, all that we possess in the boat, and it's, it's salvation. It's, it's being born again, and it's glorious, and it's wonderful, but that's just the beginning of koinonia. That's just the beginning of sharing uh, with the Lord. And, and, there's, and there's more there that is uh, beyond my comprehension as, as, as a young man. And, and, and I sat and I thought about this, and I thought, well... Well, now I get the opportunity to share again. And koinonia can't be limited to this one story, this one circumstance, this, this one instance of what it looks like to step out and share in the Lord. And it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more vast than that. It's got to be more, more profound than that, more powerful than that. And, and I think more than, than stepping out on the raging sea, something that we can easily do as we walk by faith, there's, there's a heart that we need to study, that we need to see that drives us out of the boat. It's not necessarily, you know, to, to read a story like this and to consider it in light of Koinonia and to say, I want to do what you do. It's, it's, it's to say, I want to see what you see. And as I see what you see, as I see how you see, that will cause me to want to do what you do. It'll cause me to, to begin walking on water, to be a participant in the miraculous, but to know why I'm doing it and to do it with purpose. Because there's a motivation, there's a, a jolt that spurs this first step in Matthew chapter 9. And we could read it beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. <clears throat> now, I'd like to begin this morning with a story. Um, and it's a story that I've told before, so if you've heard it, I beg of your forgiveness. There were few there that evening that I shared it, and I think uh, that, that it might be to the benefit of others that have not heard it uh, for me to share it. And besides, I, I asked Boo, and she, should, and she said that I should do it. So if you're upset, you should talk to her. And, and it's the story of Jenny. Right, it's the story of Jenny, and, and it's not 
really the, the story of Jenny, it's a story of Jenny. This is, this is not at all representative of the entirety of my experience with this lady. Um, but it is an ancient story. It's set in, uh, in, in, in high school mythology. Um, so imagine, if you will, uh, back, if you can go back so far as to the days of my high school lore, to the year 2000. And it was, it was quite, quite a long time ago. And, and it was a great time. Everyone was abuzz with the turn of the century and Y2K was causing us all to take stock of our lives and, and question what we're doing and where we're going and if we have enough water and, uh, and all that. And, and back then, I was, I was a Christian club leader and I was a new believer. And, uh, and, and it, there were so few Christians in the Christian club that they were like, hey, uh, you're, you're a Christian. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been one for like three weeks. And they're like, okay, you're a leader. So, <laughs> so that, was, uh, that was it. And, but, but I loved it. It was, it was wonderful. It was perfectly organized. Every Thursday, we would meet during lunch, and we would uh, we'd have some worship. We'd have a little message. It was, a, it was a nice little service. And then after school on Thursday, we would get together, and we would have uh, food, fellowship, and festivities. And it was like the, the trifecta of good times, food, fellowship, and festivities. It's just wonderful. Who would ever, who, who, I mean, how could you say no to that, right? How could you not love that? It's food, fellowship, I'm, I'm there. You know, tasty treats for all to eat. It sounds like a great time. So, you know, and, and, and that's what we would do. Every single Thursday we'd get together and, you know, the world, you'd just say, how, how could the world not rush through those doors and into the choir room every Thursday? With, with stuff like that going on in there. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was glorious. And, uh, I, and I remember one day, it was on a Thursday, and it was after the Christian club. I was in ceramics. And I was there in ceramics class, and it was nearing the end of the year, and, and I was making a ceramic Bible. Um, at that time in ceramics, we had all this extra clay, and uh, the teacher was like, I don't know, we're, all, uh, we're all done with our pinch pots and whatever you do in ceramics class. And she goes, you just make whatever you want. And I brought my Bible every day to class. It was sitting there on the table, and I was like, I'm going to make one of those. And uh, so I made a ceramic Bible. I still have it. It was the most ridiculous thing I ever did. I don't, I don't, anyways. Um, but I was sitting there, and I'm working on my ceramic Bible, and, and there's, there's this young lady sitting next to me, Miss Jenny. And, and I said, hey, you know what you should do? And she looks at me, and she's like, huh? And I said, you should come to Christian Club after school. You should come. And she kind of hit me with one of those raised eyebrows and kind of a look of haughty derision, right, if you're a Big Bang Theory fan. And she said, no. And uh, why, would I, why would I ever want to do that? And I said, listen, listen. Food, fellowship, could be, dare I say, fun. Boom, there you go. That's your reason to come. And, and, and it's like, who, who would say no to that? It's like, food, I hate food. And, and fun, ugh, fun, you people and your fun. And I'm not sure what fellowship is, but I'm sure it's terrible. You know, it sounds like a, yeah, like a lame word. And, and, but she, she I, I said, no, you got to come. And she actually did. She actually did. After school, through the choir room doors, in she walked. Um, and, and it's as if she's, uh, you know, walking through those, those back doors now. And she said, I'm here for uh, the Christian club. And they said to her, no, you aren't. And, and they continued and said, I think you're confused. And they said, maybe you should go. And they sent her away, and they kicked her out of the choir room that day. And, 
Uh, it's at this point that I should probably mention who Jenny was. Uh, Jenny was the most outspoken and antagonistic gothic um, on the Upland High School campus, circa year 2000. Um, she was white as a ghost, and she looked like she looked like a vampire caught out in the daylight. She wore nothing but black, and she was commonly referred to as the Bride of Satan, which I don't know if that's a nickname that was put upon her or if that was something that she just preferred to be referred to as. But she had quite a, a reputation. And she would pick on Christians, and she would often uh, mock them, intellectually challenge them, and argue with them. She would intimidate them. And everyone knew about her, and everyone avoided her. And Christians did their best to stay away from her. It was a few minutes later that I arrived at the meeting. Um, and I was excited. And I began explaining. I, I, I ran through those doors, and first thing caught my eye, cucumber sandwiches. Next thing, I'm down to business. And I said, she's, she's coming. She's going to be here. And they're like, who? And I said, the bride of Satan. She's coming. She's coming to Christian Club. This is going to be a great time. And I shared the Lord with her. <clears throat> I reassured her, you know, that, that we're just going to love her. We're not going to judge her. We're not going to condemn her. We're just going to reveal Jesus to her. And, and, and we're going to treat her like Jesus would treat her. And, oh, you know, Jesus would just wrap his arms around her. He would embrace her and he would say, how greatly I love you. How I've longed to be with you. How I cherish you. And they said, wow, I haven't seen her. <laughs> and I found out the, the next day the real story. And the following week, uh, I shared out of this passage uh, to that, that small body of believers. Let's read it again. Jesus, he went through all the towns, the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. While he solved the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And here we have Jesus, and he's surrounded by crowds. And they're pressing upon him. And, and, and they're, they're asking things of him. They're making demands on him. And he leans into his disciples. And you can see him saying, do you see what I see? Do you see harassed and helpless masses, sheep without a shepherd? Does your heart break for them? Do you see what Christ sees, or can you easily dismiss them? Can you turn your gaze and ignore them? And he would ask a question. And he began to ask the question to me last night as I studied for this message. He says, what have you done with them? What have you done with my lost sheep in this world? And you know, I remember giving the message that morning 
or actually it was that afternoon to lunch crowd. And it was youthful indignation that filled my heart. And I looked at them and I said, you do not see people as Jesus sees them. And I said, you don't see them through his eyes. You don't look upon them and, and, and feel compassion for them. You don't love them. You don't see them as harassed. You don't see them as helpless. And Christ desired nothing more than to reach out to people, to love them, every single one of them. He had a heart filled with compassion for them, a heart that broke for them. And we hear the story of Jenny, right? And we think, what a terrible thing to do. How could they do that to her? to turn her out, to turn her away. And then Jesus leans in to us and says in his simple and always profound way and says, well, guess what? You've never had to do that to anyone because you do them one better. You don't even invite them through the door to throw them out of the door. And then, and then, and then my indignation and your indignation and our indignation is quieted. And we consider that we've made this far too exclusive of a gathering. And he says, all I've ever wanted was for you to be as a great beacon to wayward travelers out in this world, to be a refuge for them, for them to come in and find compassion, for them to come upon their shepherd. And this conversation was between Jesus and his disciples before he sent his disciples out. And he would send them out in the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 10. Let me say now that as a disciple, which means simply learner, you are under a rabbi, which means very simply teacher. And your purpose wasn't necessarily to sit under your teacher and to uh, learn from them in the strictest sense. It wasn't to uh, study your rabbi's theology so that one day uh, you could say, well, I know what you know, and I believe what you believe, and goody for me. You know, but that's, that's what we've turned Christianity into. We've turned it into a study. And nothing could be further from koinonia. I mean, it's the counter opposite to koinonia. And koinonia is to share all things with an individual. So it's not necessarily to learn a lesson. It's to be conformed to a person. And I'll be with you, and my goal is to be like you. And that's what discipleship is all about. That's what it's always been about. And so, yes, it's important for me to gain the mind of my rabbi, but it's so much more important for me to gain the heart of my rabbi and the heart of Jesus beats with compassion. And literally in the, in the Greek, this word means to be, to feel a pain in in your guts. (laughs) In in the Hebrew mindset, this is the seat of your emotions. So, uh, and, and I could say, um, you know, to be more specific to the Greek, to feel a pain in your bowels. But doesn't that just bring about a weird picture in our mind? He's got a pain in the bowels when he sees people. So it's, it's, you know, it can be understood to just mean this pain in the gut. So, he, so he's got this, 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 this thing in the pit of his stomach. 
And he says, do you see this? Does it make you feel this? Are you merely observing the outward, outward appearance? Are you able to get past that to see a person that is harassed and helpless? <clears throat> you know, I wasn't supposed to teach this Sunday. You may some of you are like, uh, it's, it's disappointing. <laughs> we, we had a guest speaker scheduled. And, um, and Sam sent me a message on Thursday, and he said, you know what, um, the guy might not be able to come. And so he said, you know, you should start getting things ready. And I said, you know, Sam, tomorrow I got a house guest, two, two house guests that are supposed to be coming, staying at our place at my wife's uh, first baby shower, Saturday. Long day of work, both Friday and Saturday. It wasn't the Genesis shower. So if you're sitting there thinking, I wasn't invited. I hate them now. No, don't, don't feel that way. We love all of you. You're all invited. Come on out. It'll be a great time. Um, Genesis showers next month. But, you know, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was going to be a, a, a hectic weekend. And, and I said, well, you know, let me know for sure, which he did uh, Saturday morning. So <laughs> right before I went to work, uh, you know, I had this daunting thing kind of looming over me. And, and, and I was at work and I was teaching kids, but I'm not really paying attention to the kids. I just keep on thinking, <laughs> I just keep on thinking of this, of this, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, last week I talked about, I talked about koinonia, I talked about sharing with the Lord. And, and I'm sure that there's more on that table than what we're really taking advantage of, what we're really partaking in. And, and, and the problem is, is that I think that, that we have this, this mindset and this mentality that wants to find out what Christ is offering us. And we don't need to think that way. We can completely disregard that entire line of thinking and we can come into the realization that, that it's already all there, that it's already all before us and that, that it's not a matter of, of, well, this is something else that he wants to give us. It's no, this is something that you've been ignoring. This is something that you've known about the entire time. This is something that's been right under your nose. This is something that, that has always been before you. You know, Sam was, was talking a few months ago about people coming up to him on, on Sundays after his messages and saying, hey, thanks for the reminder. And he was like, I always feel kind of insulted by that. Because he's like, is the, you know, because the attitude is like, well, you didn't really teach me anything new, dude, but, you know, thanks for reminding me of stuff I already know. And, and, but that's true. <laughs> but that's true. Right? This is, this is all stuff that we know. This is all stuff that has been before us. The point of it is, is that this is all stuff that we ignore. And although it's been on the table all the while, we haven't accepted it. We've been missing it. We've been dismissing it. it it's been on the table and he's been offering it, but we've been neglecting it. And, and the, the impression that was laid heavy upon me while ignoring those children at, at work and, and, and coming home and, and staying up all night, really, all night. I mean, I got a couple hours of sleep 
And, 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 it's, and everything's kind of running together this morning. I don't know if I'm making any sort of coherent sense. But the, but the, one, the one thing that kept on, on being laid upon me was to say that this, this isn't profound. You want to know what koinonia is about? It's about what has always been right before you. And it's not about sharing in my stuff. It's about sharing in me. It's about sharing in my eyes that, that see the world as only I see the world. It's about sharing in my, my heart that breaks for humanity. Because, because if you desire to share anything with them, if you desire to share all things with them, then this is at the core of him. This is what conforms us to him. Because it was compassion that was constantly driving him. And now the question is, am I sharing in that compassion? Do I feel it in the pit of my stomach? You know, about two years ago, um, I partook of a rare opportunity for recreational activity. Boo and I don't normally get out. We're kind of, kind of like hermits. And he's either working or at home, just hiding away. And, uh, but about two years ago, we went to the, the L.A. County Fair. And um, I'd only been once before as a little Michael. But I remember going there as a little Michael and going with, my, going with my grandma. And she works her way into every message. I don't know how she does it. She's incredible. Um, but I went there with, with my grandma. And I remember walking around at the L.A. County Fair. And, and I, I just remember the, the, the only thing, actually, I remember is constantly screaming out, I want to pet the goats, Gamma. And, <laughs> and, and her saying, okay, sweetie, and then petting some goats. And then a couple of years ago, I, I went with Boo, and, uh, and I remember screaming out, I want to eat the fried Snickers, Boo. <laughs> and she said, okay, sweetie. And then I ate the fried Snickers, and it was delicious. And, and, and that's what we did. We, we went to the, the L.A. County Fair, and, and, and you're walking around, and it's, you know, people selling, you know, whatever they're selling there. And I was just, I was looking for all the signs that say deep fried, and then you fill in the blank. And, and they had Snickers, and they had Oreos, and they had Twinkies, and they had cheese, and I tried it all. I've, I've, heard, that, I've heard that now they're deep frying Coca-Cola. I don't know how. It sounds amazing. It's like the most, most splendiferous treat ever. And, uh, and, but there, there it was, all those deep-fried delights, and they were before me. And, and, and I ate them all, just irresponsible amount of consumption that day. And then we, we went looking around for a durable bench that I could, I could, <laughs> that I could beach myself on for a while. <laughs> and and that's, that's what I did. And then I sat there. And, and we just, you know, we, we begin to people watch. And let me say, there is no better place for people watching <laughs> than the L.A. County Fair. And uh, just an odd assortment of humanity there. It's like, you know, it's just a grab bag of, of, of human folk <laughs> of all different kind. And... And just, you know, I, mean, I remember seeing just this, this group of cheerleaders, and they were all in their outfits, and they were all blonde and just obscenely glittery. 
just glitter all over their faces. It's like a first grader's art project gone awry. You know, you work with first graders and they put down the glue and then you're like, here, you sprinkle a little bit of glitter and then they take the cap off and they're like, ha! And just glitter everywhere. It's irresponsible. And that was these, that was, that was these cheerleaders, you know, just glitter all over the place. And uh, they're walking by and I'm listening to their conversation and, and, and they're just giddy as they're gossiping, you know, and they're walking by and they're like, oh my God, he is so gross. And it's like, yeah, totally gross. What? Right. Yeah gnarly and it was like that was an entire conversation you know and they they understood it i don't know there's an elderly couple and and i remember they were they were dry they were both on motorized scooters and they were driving right down the center of the pathway just daring people to get in their way you know just a blatant disregard for other people's space or safety just like i'm old and i'll run you over you know, just visors and fanny packs, and, and that was their deal. And there, there was a child that was screaming, that was wailing, with an obviously overstuffed diaper, just begging to be held. And then there was a cholo that seemed to be angry about everything. Just, I couldn't figure out why, it's just for no reason. I mean, he's ordering a hot dog. And, and it's like, you know, the hot dog guy saying, you want ketchup on that hot dog? He's like, yeah, I want ketchup on that hot dog. And it's like, why? Why are you angry about that? He's doing you a service, you know? Um, but, you know, it's just, it's unnecessary. And, you know, I'm looking around at these people, and some of them are, are fashionable. Some of them are frumpy. There was, there was a lady with a baby strapped to her chest, one of those baby harnesses. And I thought that that was absurd then. And now that we're going to have a baby, I'm like, that's kind of practical. <laughs> I can see us doing that. <laughs> and I sat there watching them, just kind of passively observing them. And, and I'll be honest, I wasn't really thinking a lot about them or investing any sort of feeling into them. They were just a crowd. Just a crowd like you would see a crowd you know, any day, every day at school, at work, at the store, on the street, and, and they're just ordinary people, you know, participating in ordinary activities. Yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, they, they, they didn't look harassed and helpless to me. I wasn't sitting on, on my durable bench thinking, well, there they are. That's them. These are the ones that Jesus spoke of. Harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd. No, that, that never came into my mind. I didn't see them that way, but, but Jesus did. And so obviously I'm not seeing something that he saw. And I realized that there. And, and it was an indication that something was wrong in here. It was an indication that that something had changed, that I was on the other side of that message that I gave way back then. I was on the other side of the door. I was on the inside now, and, and I saw us as us, and I saw them as them, and my heart didn't break for them. That child is experiencing something terrible. I don't know. I don't know what's happening over there. Let's pray. <laughs> but they, they passed me by, you know, this crowd, and and I didn't, I didn't ache for them, right? I, I read this passage, and Jesus didn't look at the crowd and, and say, hey, look, there's some cholos. 
right? He don't see in this passage, Jesus looked out there and said, hey, look, there's some cheerleaders. He didn't look at this passage and say, hey, look, there's some Christians. There's some non-Christians. But that's what we do. We look at people and we label them. And, 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 but, but Jesus didn't do that. He looked at them and he saw one thing. He saw sheep. And the only difference is that there were some sheep that had found their shepherd and there were other sheep that were still looking for their shepherd. But, but he didn't look out there and say, well, look, there's some dumb sheep and there's some smart sheep. He didn't look out there and say, hey, there's some good sheep and there's some bad sheep. He didn't say there's some Muslim sheep, there's some Buddhist sheep. He didn't look out there and say, there's some Calvinist sheep and there's some amillennialist sheep. He didn't look out there and say, and dare I say, there's some gay sheep, there's some straight sheep. He just said there's sheep. Just some, there's just some sheep that are under the care of their shepherd and there's some sheep that are not. But all of them are looking for him. And they're trying to cling to things that are a poor substitute for him. Things that they can call their shepherd that are not their shepherd. And, and, and they cling to that thing and maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a habit or a hobby. Maybe it's a vice or a vocation. Whoever or whatever it's a cruel substitute for the good shepherd, and it leaves them harassed. This word in the Greek uh, means anything from, from skinning a sheep to vexing or troubling a sheep. You skin the sheep alive, and you take, take its worth, take its life, take its wool, or you trouble it, you abuse it. He says they're helpless. They're powerless to fix this situation without their shepherd. He says, that is my sheep. Those out there, those are my sheep. Do you see that? Or are they just a mass of humanity to you that just are passing you by every day? Is it more convenient for you to label them as something that they're not? because I'm their shepherd. And every day they're looking for me. And you know what's, what's the really interesting thing to think about? Is every day they find you. Every day they pass by you. They pass by me. They pass by us. Now, how are they found by you? How are they seen by you? And it was at that moment, on that durable bench, that my eyes were opened, and my heart was heavy, and I felt as indignant and disgusted by myself as I was with those stuffy sheep from the Christian club way back when I first shared out of this scripture. In fact, the first time when it was impressed upon me, how could I be so blind how could I be so cold you know Sam started a series uh, right before I I've done the last two Sundays about our collective identity as a community of believers and this is what came to the forefront for me in that series about who we are as Genesis and 
And if it's koinonia that we're after, if Jesus would say, that's what you want to share with me, if, 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 it's, if the ministry is what you want to participate in alongside of me, if and the work began by me, it, it really, it starts here. Do you have my eyes that see people as they really are? Do you have my heart that drives you to them? Because this is not an exclusive gathering of special sheep because we're so wonderful and, and, and we're, so, we're so spectacular. Uh, this, is, this is a group of sheep that have found their shepherd that bleat together praises for their, for their savior saying, I once was lost and now I'm found. And listen, the reality is that there are many that are still lost and there are many that still may be found. And the and, uh, Lord impressed upon me, do, do you care about that at all? Do you, is it something that is in the pit of your stomach that is aching, that, 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 is, that is burdensome? And, and we sit at, at the table of the Lord and we say, Oh wow, this this looks this looks delicious. And and I'll share in this with you, Lord, because this looks fun and super. And I think that's what last week was all about. And I think that's why maybe many of you are gonna walk out of here and go, Well, that wasn't as good as last week. And he really made her drop the ball there. But you know, it's like you know, that's that could be the reality of it, because we talked about walking on water last week. Who wouldn't want to do that? And it's like, you know, you're you, you walk out of here and you're like, Wow, okay, hey. You know, uh, that was super. And then this week you come back and you're like, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that as much. <laughs> of all the things to reach for on the table, I, I probably would have, eh, you know, put that one aside a little bit. Uh, because this is, this is a different morsel upon our Lord's table. But he's sharing all of it with us. And he's saying, listen, is, do you not remember what it was like when you were lost, when you were separated from your shepherd, do you not sympathize with these people out there? You're a sheep just like them. Don't forget who you are. There's no difference between the two of you. The only, the only thing that would make a distinction between you is that you're here and they're there. Right? And he's saying, do you not remember what it was like to be out there? You, you, you panted in, in the, the heat of the summer. You were lost and weary. And, and you would lie down under any tree thinking that maybe it would provide a moment of relief for you out there. And you would say, well, well, maybe this is where I should be. And you'd lie down there for a moment. And you'd nibble on all kinds of grass thinking that it would fill your belly and make you happy. You say, well, maybe, maybe I don't need a shepherd. Maybe I just need to find another sheep. And we can be, you know, sheep buddies. We can be companions with one another. We can take care of each other. But every night, every night, you look up and you say, I know that he's out there. I know that my shepherd is out there. I just don't know where. 
And one day, one day you walked right by a sheep that knew him. One day you walked right into a crowd of sheep that, that said that they loved him. And they turned a blind idea. They built a wall around their pen. They made it so that you couldn't enter in even if you wanted to. They said that you had to become like us to be one of us. And they forgot that you already are like us. You're not that different from us. You're just a sheep like us. The only difference is we've met our shepherd, and he is a good shepherd. We have a few minutes left. Can I ask a very uncomfortable question? Why not? I'm not going to guess speak in a while again. I'll let Sam take this over after this week. <laughs> How is it that Christians have gotten the reputation of being the most judgmental, hyper-spiritual, critical, and aloof people in any room that we occupy? We flee sinners. Jesus was called the friend of them. Have we forgotten who we are? Have we elevated our standing as special sheep when there's no such thing? The only thing special about me, the only thing special about us, is that we are under the care of an exceedingly good shepherd. Jesus stopped and he, he drew their focus. He draws our focus to a problem and said, I want you to see this with my eyes, not your own. I want you to see the world as I see it. Because the problem persists to this day. The world is helpless and harassed. Sheep without a shepherd. And the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think we see, listen, here's the reality. I think that we see that the harvest is plentiful. And we know that there is still so much that needs to be done. But because we don't see people as Jesus sees people, we tend to limit his work. Right? We, we, we're still sitting on benches seeing cholos and thinking, well, he looks pretty angry. I probably shouldn't talk to him. <laughs> and we're still seeing cheerleaders and thinking, well, she seems really perky and flippant, so she's probably not going to respond. We're still seeing Jennies and, and, and thinking, well, she seems really angry and, and you know, kind of dark and scary. So I'm not going to reach out to her either. And Jesus is pounding on the doors of the church with a herd behind him saying, is there not room for these? He's weeping saying, these are my sheep. Can you ignore the objects of my affection? And the workers are few, but our churches are not. Within a quarter mile of my house in San Antonio Heights, there are three churches. 
And, and the problem isn't the number of churches that are in our community. The problem is the people that occupy the seats in those churches because they're people just like me. They're people sitting on benches that are waiting, waiting to see sheep harassed and helpless. Waiting to see that. So we could say, okay, well, those are the people that I need to talk to. When Jesus says every day, every moment, you are surrounded by that. You just don't have eyes to see it. You don't need to wait to see it. It's already in your midst every moment. Were we to enter into koinonia, were we to share his heart, were we to share his sight, this world would be changed overnight. Listen, I'm not sitting up here because I'm saying I see as I ought. I would hate for anyone to think that. I would hate for anyone to think that I am the special sheep and that you need to see as I see. Listen, I don't see as I ought. I don't feel as I ought. I'm only sitting up here because I'm saying this is what koinonia is. And I don't think I really got even the shadow of it until maybe last night at about 1.30 in the morning, you know, or maybe two in the morning when Boo was fast asleep and, and our bulldog was at my feet snoring and, and drooling. And, and, and this, first and foremost, is what he desires to share with us. His eyes that see and his heart that breaks. I'm going to end soon. I know some of you are like, not soon enough, but just a couple more sentences. I promise. I promise. Um, this passage is really unique. This is one of only that I've found, and maybe you'll come to me later and be like, Michael, you don't really know your Bible. But this is, this is one of only two passages I've found where Jesus shares a prayer request. And Jesus shares this prayer request, and he does it the other time in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he tells the disciples to pray. And he says, pray for yourselves, that you would not enter into temptation. Though he knows the cross is before him, he doesn't ask for prayer for himself. He says, you need to pray. You need to pray for yourselves, guys. You need to pray that you don't, that you don't stumble and stray after I'm taken away. But this is the prayer request that comes before that. He says, pray. Pray that God sends out workers for this task. And it's a great task. One that need not take us across seas, but ought to take us across streets. We hear messages like this and we think, oh, great, now I have to go to Africa. You know, it's like, no, no, you don't. But, but these people are around you constantly. That should move you. This should motivate you. This should burden you. And... and and it's our task. It's the one that he's left for us, the one that he's left to us, to be Jesus to those who have not yet met him. To be liberal with our compassion. Because that's the heart of him. And let me say that this morning, uh, to some of you that are here, you can never wander so far, lay down 
under too many false trees. Eat too much grass and wander around with too many other sheep. That, that you're beyond the reach of your shepherd. But let me also say that you can never come so far that you are never more than a sheep under the good care of your shepherd. And let me end by extending an invitation for us to stand and bleat together as a congregation praises for our Lord and Savior. For he is truly good. He has set a table of koinonia before us. Now may we sit before him, take all that he's offered to us, share in his eyes, that see the world as only he can, share in his heart that breaks for it, and step out of the boat onto the raging sea to participate in the work set before us all. Will you stand with me? I will actually stand. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this Sunday. It was certainly an unexpected Sunday for me. And it feels to me as an unprepared, unprepared one. But I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, God, as it settles in our heart, that it would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it, that you would stir in us a passion for your son, that we would see the world ever before us as harassed and helpless that we would understand that we too as sheep or once as they are, we would reach out to them, showing, we, showing them what we've found. Lord, such are good things to be reminded of, but such are also the things that we constantly dismiss because they're difficult. So I pray, God, as you bring it to the forefront, let us not quickly dismiss it, let us open up our eyes and see the world as you see it. God, break our heart. And Father, I praise you for this morning. I ask, Lord, that you'd bless those that, those that came. Lord, that you'd send them out. Lord, more in love with you, excited to walk with you, impassioned to follow you, and grateful for you as we join together in this last song praising you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.